All right, you ready for this last last uh, part of our series this morning? This is the last message from our series, Is It Well With My Soul? We're going to move on uh, to a thankful series for the Thanksgiving season. But this message that I'm going to talk about today, this part about God, His character, His nature, and this part about our soul and what we need to be well, I think might be the most important thing that we need to know about our soul this morning. We've talked a lot about a lot of great things about our soul. Uh, this is one of the most important things. You know, because I've been bragging so much about her, you know that we have a little granddaughter named Trilby, and I never talk about her, so I thought I'd just mention her this morning. So there's Trilby right up here on, on my left. And Trilby was in Cancun a couple of weeks ago, and she was playing with another little girl, and she ended up getting hand, foot, and mouth disease. Uh, we thought it was uh, chicken pox at first, but hand, foot, and mouth it was. And what I want to mention about that is, you know, if you've had that in your household, it's, it's not fun, right? It's not fun. Um, and so my daughter, Lindsay, who's a great mom, and Evan uh, Trilby's dad, took care of her like they always do. I mean, they held her, they bathed her, they, you know, put lotion on her, and they were as close to her as they ever are, even knowing that it could result in this. So that's my daughter's hand there. So my daughter ended up getting it as well, and... If you've been an adult and had this little nasty disease, infection, you know it's no fun as as an adult, right? It's worse for us adults. Um, So as a germaphobe, self-proclaimed, my solution would have been this. I would have said, put the kid in a bubble, give her a couple of weeks, and then after she's run its course, you know, the thing's run its course, then do this. Not to her, not to her, just to the bubble, right? But no, that's not what a loving father or a loving mother does. And as I was thinking about this and as I was thinking about sacrifice, I thought this is such a great picture of Jesus who came to our world even though it was infected by sin. And he caught our disease because he loved us and he cared for us and he exposed himself to us. And by that, I don't mean that he sinned because he never sinned, but he took on our sin. And literally, the Son of God, God himself in the flesh, caught our infection and took it to the cross for us and gave up his own body and his own life for us that he could carry our disease for us. Such a great picture. And so what I want to talk about this morning is this idea of self-sacrifice and how I think that self-sacrifice is probably the biggest expression of God's love to us. In fact, I think it's the biggest way that we can love one another is through learning to lay our lives down for one another. Jesus said in John 15, this is my command. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So number one in your notes today, here's what I believe about God's love. And that is that sacrifice is at the core or the very heart of God's love for his creation, not just his people, but his entire creation. I believe that sacrifice really defines the love of God for his creation. In fact, this idea, this principle of sacrifice is built into creation itself, that this creation would need redeeming and that redeeming would come through sacrifice and that Jesus' sacrifice would fulfill this law that was built into creation, that sin requires the sacrifice in order for it to be forgiven. 
and in order for us to be redeemed. So I don't know if you've thought about that. I don't know if you've thought about Jesus' sacrifice as kind of being an afterthought that God had. Oh, no, they sinned. What are we going to do? Oh, we better send Jesus to forgive their sin. No. This principle of sacrifice was built into creation itself to take care of this failure that God knew was going to come. In Romans 8, it says, God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. You see, built into the DNA of creation, if you will, was this principle that that the law and that breaking the law would require a perfect sacrifice. And, of course, God laid it out throughout the Old Testament, the sacrifice system, right? The first sacrifice actually happening in the garden to cover up Adam's and Eve's nakedness. God had an animal killed to cover them up. But, but that, uh, that principle went on throughout the Old Testament until finally Jesus came to become the perfect sacrifice for us. But Jesus was the one who built the righteous requirement of the law into creation. Now, how many of you have read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe or The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis? Really, really uh, well read by many, many people, read a lot in our culture, and I would recommend it highly to you. And really what it is, is it's a picture of, of God and of His Son and what, and what they did for us. And in this story, you have uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You have Aslan, who's the Christ figure. And he tricks the white witch who represents Satan by offering his own life to pay the price for Edmund's transgression. And the white witch happily agrees to this situation because she thinks that she has defeated Aslan and that she has defeated his kingdom forever. But the white witch does not know the deep magic. That's what Lewis calls it. That Aslan, the sinless son of the emperor across the sea, dies willingly for the guilty and redemption is released. Redemption more powerful than death. And the kingdom of the emperor is established. Here in our story, here in the real world of our universe, what C.S. Lewis called the deep magic we call self-sacrifice or the love of God for us. And, and here's what I want you to consider this morning, okay? Because we often do think that this got added on somewhere after creation. But that's not true. This is what God designed into the universe, that his universe was built to be redeemed. And not just us, not just people, but the entire universe was built to be redeemed. Romans 8.22 says that all of creation groans, for this self-sacrificing love of its creator. That creator would actually become the creation and would sacrifice himself for his creation. So what I want you to think about this morning is that this sacrifice of love has always been God's plan for us. Before the foundations of the world, that Christ would be bought, would bought, would buy back his creation. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. What I want us to catch this morning is that in Christ, we are chosen to be like Christ. In other words, that our soul is designed 
to express the very kind of love that God expressed to us in Christ. And that is a love that costs us something. A love that is self-sacrificial. A love that, that lays our own agenda down for the benefit of others. That's what God has designed us to be able to do. And personally, I believe this morning that this love of self-sacrifice is the highest potential we can reach as a human being. That we are most like God when we learn to live our life in a way that sacrifices ourselves and lays our life down for our brothers and sisters, like Jesus said. And so we are to be different than the world. We are to be set apart. I don't know if you've noticed, but out there in the world, people don't really embrace self-sacrifice that much. It's more like every man for himself, right? Every woman for herself. But in the world that Jesus created for us, he wants to set aside for this kind of love. It comes back to the great commandment, love God and love your neighbor. And that's what it comes back to for us as well. So we're different from the world. We're set apart. And a big part of this holiness or being set apart is to love like Jesus. And this is the love that was designed into creation itself. Colossians 1. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything else was created. And he is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Let me just stop for a second. Put to rest any wondering if Christ was fully God. Christ was fully God. Colossians speaks to this. Philippians speaks to this. All through Scripture, Jesus himself said, I am. So let's put that to rest. He was fully God. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. So the sacrifice, Jesus Christ, the sacrificial lamb, created all that he would die for. Do you understand this? The one who would become the sacrifice created what he would die for. And he designed this truth of redemption into the fabric of creation. That he would give himself for those that he loved. You know, the fuse of this love was lit at creation and it burned all the way through the Old Testament until that day on the cross when the explosion of love happened and the life of God was laid down for you and for me. No greater love has any man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus modeled that for us. He overcame sin. He overcame death. He overcame the grave with the power of his love, the ultimate sacrifice. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1.18. He said, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest or made known or he came to light in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Let me say it in a little bit of a different way. Perfect in corruption, Jesus Christ. Perfect, pure. Not a thing wrong with him. Fully God, yet submitted to a man's body. 
canceled out the corruption of sin in our lives by sacrificing his life for the world that he had created. And in this transaction, Jesus made it possible for those he had created, for you and me, to respond to this love. Now, I don't understand it. I can't fully explain it. But there's a way that Jesus made us in our soul to be able to respond to the love of God and to love him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. Creation responding to the love of our creator. We love because we're loved, 1 John 4, 19. And that brings me to number two today in our notes that I'm the most like Christ, you are the most like Christ when you lovingly sacrifice for him and for his creation. If you want to be like Jesus... This is the way to do it. Learn to lay down your life for those that you love and even for those that you don't love. And there's millions of little ways to do that throughout your lifetime. Tiny decisions that we make every day where where you choose to love in a moment someone that you love. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Kids, maybe it's your parents. And you choose in that moment to give way because you recognize that they need you to love them in that moment. And you need To lay down your life in that moment. That's what it means to lay down our life for our friends, our family. And that my soul needs something worth loving. Your soul needs something to lay itself down for. For parents, it's your children. It's like my daughter and her daughter Trilby. Moms are great at this. Moms are are so great at laying down their lives for their kids. Dads are too, but I think moms hold the corner on this. You know, dads do it in a different way. We do it through providing. I know men that have worked a job that they didn't really like for their whole life to provide for their family. That's a different way of loving and of laying it down, right? So sacrificial love is always a little bit risky. I want you to know this. I don't want you to go into this with eyes closed. I want you to get this. It was risky for Jesus cost him his life and sacrificial love is always always carries a little bit of risk with it but it's always worth it why because your soul needs to love this way and your savior wants you to love this way john 1 10 look at the risk jesus came into the very world that he created but the world didn't recognize him he came to his own people and even they rejected him So as I talk about sacrificial love, I want you to know this is true. It was true for Jesus. It's true for you that sacrificial love, laying your life down, giving yourself up for others, often involves rejection. People will not always be grateful for what you give. People will not even always know what you give. People may reject the love that you give. And I I want to say in this moment that that doesn't diminish the beauty of the gift. You see, when, I, when love is given, when it's sacrificial and, and somebody rejects it or somebody doesn't notice it or somebody doesn't allow it or somebody doesn't return it, it can, feel, it can feel really terrible in our heart, right, when that happens. But I want you to know that doesn't diminish the beauty of the gift. For Jesus on the cross, the fact that people rejected him and still do doesn't diminish the beauty of his gift, does it? And for you and for me who live out the love of Christ in our daily relationships, when we come to the place where we learn to give ourselves sacrificially, it doesn't diminish 
the beauty of the gift when it's rejected. And I want you to take heart with that because oftentimes when we're we're rejected, we pull back and we say, I'm not going to do that ever again. But then you fail to give the beauty of the gift. I'm not saying put yourself in harmful situations and not have boundaries. I'm not saying that. Got to have those. But what I am saying is continue to give in the way that Jesus has called us and built us to give. So this scripture I just read to you, let me break it down this way. The people he came to, they belonged to him. You know, he created them. And the people that he came to, he offered himself to. But they didn't recognize him and they didn't know him. And so they rejected him. And oftentimes as we learn to become more like Christ and we love like Christ, we're going to experience rejection. People are going to fail us. People are going to betray us. People are going to abandon us. And so it must be for love that we do this. And it must not be conditional on their response. But it must be conditional on the command that Jesus gave us to love. It must be for love. There must be love. And when love is offered, the best thing for something, for, the best thing that can happen is that it's responded to, right? That's, that's the beautiful thing. When God comes and gives us His love through Christ and we respond to Him, what a beautiful closing of that circle that we celebrate this morning with communion. It's amazing. And, and again, we don't understand how this can happen. But here's what I want you to know this morning, that the human soul is made with the ability to respond or not to God's love. And that God understands rejection. He experienced it. He knows the pain of it. And I want to ask this morning, have you experienced unrequited love? Unrequited simply means that there was no response. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but just think for a moment in your life when you've experienced unrequited love. I have. More times than I could probably speak about or write about. I've I've experienced unrequited love where I've given myself and I have felt like there was not response. So again, the tendency is to run and hide or, or to shut down or to never do that again. And I'm telling you that you were made to love. So learn how to love again, even if you've been hurt. Jesus felt this pain. In Matthew 23, we see him looking over the city of Jerusalem, the city that he loved, the city of kings. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I've wanted to gather your your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But she wouldn't let me. And and you see, Jesus knew that Jerusalem was going to reject him. And even so, he experienced this grief of knowing his heart. And what he wanted to do was to gather them under his protection and security, but they would not allow him to do that. And he felt the pain of that rejection. And so you say to me, well, why would I ever put myself in that position? Why would I do that? Well, the answer is that to experience rejection while offering sacrificial love is probably one of the greatest ways to identify with Christ, to be like him, is to come to that place where we will give ourselves away even when it's risky. And I would say to you today that that is, that is the way that our soul reaches its full potential, to love sacrificially, to lay our lives down, to give like Jesus. How did Jesus give? Philippians 2, 
says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. I think the thing that jumps out at me most from that passage is that that phrase, divine privileges. He gave up his divine privileges. I think for many of us, we, we, we hold tight to our privileges, don't we? And sometimes we don't want to give up our divine or non-divine privileges. But that is what love does. Love often gives up privileges so that somebody else can flourish. Jesus did that. He experienced rejection. We do that. We're going to experience rejection as well. Let me give you a little bit of what Jesus experienced from Isaiah hundreds of years before this was written. Isaiah prophesied about what Jesus would experience. And if your goal is to be like Christ, then this is the path that it might take you down once in a while. Isaiah 53. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. Let me just stop there for a minute. You know, those movies of Jesus, those pictures of Jesus, you know, Jim Caviezel is a pretty good-looking guy, you know, or those pictures, those old pictures on the, on the bookmarks, remember those? Flowing, kind of highlighted hair, like he'd been to his beautician, you know, impeccable beard and blue eyes, piercing blue eyes. He was Hebrew. Come on, give me a break, right? But that's the picture sometimes we have, that he was this very, very attractive guy. I'm telling you, Jesus was not a hottie. He was not a hottie. According to Isaiah, there was nothing to attract us to him. But then it gets worse. He was despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. I have felt that way from time to time in my years of ministry. We turned our backs on him. We looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He did it for us. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Again, I want you to get this today because it's so important in how we respond to his love and then how we give his love away to others. And that is that it's the very nature of God. It's in his character to sacrifice his own life for his own. Where do we experience this kind of love in our life? Where is it that you give this kind of love away? And the thing is, again, let me say this, that loving sacrificially doesn't mean you'll always be rejected. I love it when the circle is closed, right? Love between a husband and wife, love between a parent and child, love between good friends. I love it when that circle gets closed, when there's love given and, and love is, is given back in return. I love that. It's received. It's given. But there are times when sometimes there's just changes in life and the people you have loved will move on or they'll leave you or they'll die. And then oftentimes, again, people will say, why, why would I love that way? And I will tell you again why, because it brings you to your full potential. You know, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, you only 
experience as much joy as you're willing to experience pain in this life. As much as you open yourself up is, is the amount that you're able to experience in life of love, of joy. Now let me give you some examples of what I think are true in life. Yesterday I did a memorial service for a beautiful woman from our church named Corrine. And she passed away last week, a couple weeks ago, I guess it's been. And her husband, Gene, has invested love in her for over 50 years. They were high school sweethearts at Nooksack Valley. And she was the homecoming queen. And, and she was five foot two, or five foot nothing, I think it was. And, and they were this great couple together. And he's loved her and loved her and loved her. And she's loved over these years. And he said to me, Pastor Kurt, I don't know how I'm going to handle walking through the door of my apartment with Kareen not there. It's been so many years of being able to love this woman. What am I going to do? You know, a great example of somebody giving himself and her to him. And, and now, of course, the shocking, you know, truth of life without her is going to be hard. But that is love. That is laying down your life so that you can know the depths of love with another person that you go through life with and you experience all the ups and downs of life together. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, there are families, I think all parents actually experience this kind of love to a really great way, right? But there's some families in our church, parents of kids that have special struggles, special challenges. And I think these parents are just amazing. You know, I think about... Um, Olive with Anna and Truman. Here's a picture. I don't know if you know little Olive, but what a beautiful, beautiful expression of love in how they give themselves to her uh, over and over and over, day after day after day. And, and life with Olive requires more than it does with somebody that doesn't have her struggles. Now, they wouldn't give up a moment of it. They love her so deeply and dearly, and yet it's sacrificial. They give up a lot of life to be there for little Olive. I think about Amy and Jeremy. They were here, I think, for service with Baker. This is the Demires. By the way, this month is Menkes Awareness Month. That's the disease that little Baker has. Here's a family that has poured themselves out to love him and sacrificed much for him, and he loves them in return. It's reciprocal. But yet this family, because I know a little bit of the inside story of what it requires of them, they pour it out and love so incredibly sacrificially. And there have been more families like this over the years. I could go on and on of families that do this so well. I came across a picture in my Facebook of Jared Bailey. There's Jared. Many of you know Jared. Uh, they had a little boy this week. So that's a newborn that Jared's holding. And Jared was a part of our ministry team for a, a couple of years, I think. And uh, what, a, what a loving young man of God. But he had a, a very, very troubled junior high, high school life after high school. And Jared's been very open about that. He has poured his life out, told his story so that other young people can benefit from it. And as he posted this picture, and it was public and it was shareable, so I figured I'd share it with you, okay? As he posted this picture, I read what he said below this picture, and it's about his mom and dad who pastor faithfully they've been at grace baptist for years and years and as he held this little bundle and he realized now what's required of him as a father and i love when that circle closes right when we have kids and we realize okay now i'm the, i'm the man 
But listen to what he said about his parents. He said, I understand now why my father and mother gave absolutely everything and fought to keep me alive, combating the lies I chose to believe and helping me see the truth. I remember nights in high school asking them why I ever had to be born. Like it was just yesterday. And I know that those same nights may come with Sailor. That's the name of their little baby. But just like my parents, I have a story about a father and mother's love for their son to share with him. And so you see this circle of love as people pour themselves out for their children continues on as it comes around into the lives of the next generation. And they begin to do what they were designed to do. And that is to lay their life down for the people that God has given them to love. That's what I'm talking about today. And and Jared will learn a whole new level of being like Christ by being a daddy. There's special sacrificial love of adoption. I bring this up because uh, next week is Adoption Sunday. I think of Tyler and Liz with little Anna, how they've poured their lives into her Jason and Megan and all their kiddos, my neighbors, many, many others who have poured their lives out through this beautiful expression of God's love and sacrificial love through adoption and through fostering. But sometimes challenges come that require more than what you ever thought would come through this opening up of your life and of your heart to these little ones. And I just want to point out that these kids that are fostered and adopted are going to have the opportunity not just to be in a a loving home and, you know, a forever family, but also the opportunity to know Jesus. Jason, my neighbor, pointed this out to me. He said, you know, we have kids in our home that will know Jesus because we brought them in from China or other places around the world. And so we think about that love and and what it's worth. What is it worth to introduce your children to Jesus? What is that worth? It's worth everything, right? And so that brings me to number three today. That my soul and your soul needs to love sacrificially in order to be well. We've asked the question in this series, is it well with my soul? And what I'm sharing with you today is that I'm saying to you that your soul becomes as well as it possibly can be when we step outside of our own life and just doing for me. And we begin to step out of that more and more and more. And we lay down our rights and we begin to do more and more and more for others. That's what it means. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Sacrifice is the fabric of love. If your life is about weaving a tapestry, then sacrifice is that fabric that you're weaving into. I came up with this little quote this week, and it's working for me. It's my mantra this week. Life must be more than me. Life must be more than me. When you're faced with an opportunity, and I use that word on purpose, to lay down your life, to give yourself up for somebody this week, say this in your head. Life must be more than me. Next time you walk by the dishwasher and you realize there's empty, there's uh, dirty dishes on the sink, in the sink, dishwasher's full and clean, Hmm, there's a conundrum, you know. What do I do? Life must be more than me. 
So life just about me is one-dimensional. You know, like a pencil drawing on a piece of paper. It's one-dimensional. The three-dimensional life is when we learn to receive the love of Christ, when we learn to love God in return, and then we learn to love others. That makes life three-dimensional. And it's a much more beautiful way to live life than that one-dimensional sketch of our life. And you say to me, well, Pastor Kurt, are you saying it's good for me to love myself? Yes, absolutely. The best thing you could do would be to receive the love of Christ, and that's the best way you could love yourself, was by receiving His Christ for you and, and making your identity in Him. That's really the only way we can love, right? Is by letting Jesus fully and completely love us. You know, if I don't, if I don't receive His forgiveness, the chances are I won't be able to forgive. If I don't receive His grace, the chances are I'm not going to be able to give grace. You know, if I don't receive His acceptance of me, the chances are I won't be able to accept others. And so I need to receive first what I need before I can give it away. And that's what communion is about. That's what we're focusing on this morning as we receive communion, that this is all about remembering Christ and the fact that He took on our infection and then letting Him change our hearts and how we see ourselves and then loving out of that change. That's really what it's about. That's the only way we can fulfill that commandment, love God and love others. How do I do this? By simply receiving the love of Christ. Now, I know that sounds funny because you're you're like, well, that's so elementary. I know probably hundreds of people that are Christians. They've accepted Christ as their Savior, but they've not yet really received the fullness of forgiveness, the fullness of grace in their life. And so they struggle with guilt and with shame. Listen, if I were to play my life on a movie behind me, yes, it would be embarrassing and shaming, and I would feel very guilty. But here's the deal. Jesus has washed that away. He's washed that away. And if you ask me about my life, I'll tell you anything I can. I'm I'm an open book if we have a conversation. But he wants us to walk away from that and to realize that that was the old days. Old things are gone. New things have come. Let's move forward into the new creation that we are. And let's do that every day. And we do that by simply receiving the love of Christ. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 18. The disciples came to him and asked, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus could have listed a lot of people. I mean, Moses, right? Joseph, David. He could have listed a bunch of people. But Jesus called a little child over. And he put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sin and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. So you see this pattern of receiving Jesus' love humbly. Basically saying, Jesus, you've done for me what only you can do, and I receive it. I do this every day of my life. Every day of my life, I reaffirm my faith and trust in Jesus so that I then can give his love away to the little children in my life. And I'm not talking little children. You know, all of us. All of us. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. You know, when our little Trilby was sick, she didn't have to ask her mama to bathe her, to clean her, 
She didn't have to ask her mama to hold her. She didn't have to beg to crawl up on her mama's lap and be held tight. She didn't have to ask her mama to put on the calamine lotion. Mama just did it. Mama touched her skin. Mama held her close. Mama kissed her face. And mama caught the infection. And that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus held us close. Jesus entered in to our condition. Jesus took upon himself, his own body, the infection of our sin. And he did that so that we could be healed of our sin and be clean before him. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, this morning, as we come to you, we come to this table, this beautiful table of communion, this this remembrance of what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. We, we come and we say we see the bread and we see the juice. And Lord, we're reminded by the bread that you took into your body, into your body. You took it into yourself. You took our sin. You took the punishment into your body, Lord. You took the punishment for our sin so that we would not have to be punished. So today, Lord Jesus, we just simply say, I receive. I receive what you did for me. I receive your intervention for my life. I receive your provision for my life, Lord. Simply, like a little child, may I come to your table today and say, I receive it. Lord, help me from this moment on to to put behind me the sins of my past and to allow you to take me forward into all that you've prepared for me to do, Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, as we worship you today, may we just remember you and what you've done, and may we enter in to your great, loving intervention for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.